Support for the evening newscast comes from Duncan House Diner, owned and operated by the Gamble family for over 20 years, proudly feeding Homer for three generations. Dine in at 125 East Pioneer or order online at duncanhousehomer.com. And from Bay Realty, listing and selling homes, lots, acreage, multifamily commercial properties, and property management in the Southern Kenai Peninsula since 1974. Learn more at bayrealtyalaska.com or by calling 235-6183. Good afternoon. You're listening to KBBI AM 890 in Homer and K201AO on 88.1 FM in Seward. I'm Hope McKenney with some local news on Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Gas supply from proven fields in Cook Inlet will only be enough to satisfy demand from Alaska's main population center for about four more years. That's according to a report from the Alaska Division of Oil and Gas released Friday. As KDLL's Sabine Pooks reports, the forecast paints an urgent picture of a gas basin that is declining, while utilities along the rail belt continue to depend heavily on the natural gas that's produced there. The state comes out with a gas inventory report every few years to update the public, including lawmakers, about the status of the fuel that powers Alaska's rail belt from Homer to Fairbanks. And while it's long been known that Cook Inlet's gas supply is in decline, the Division of Oil and Gas in its recent report moved up the date for when that supply will fall short of demand, 2027 instead of 2030, as it predicted in the last forecast. The highly anticipated new forecast comes on the heels of explicit warnings from producer Hillcorp that it might not have adequate natural gas supply for utilities past their current contracts, some which end as early as next year and others which don't expire for over a decade. Utilities like Homer Electric are reliant on Cook Inlet natural gas to meet the vast majority of their energy needs. The forecast does not suggest solutions to the projected shortfall, but details what state engineers and analysts expect out of the inlet, with a few caveats. For one, it doesn't account for how much undiscovered gas there is in the Cook Inlet region in general, but rather when production from known and proven reserves is expected to fall short. While the report assumes demand will stay the same on the rail belt for the foreseeable future, it says after falling behind in 2027, supply will drop to under half of all demand by 2023. That assumes no significant cutback in demand for gas due to renewables and makes no estimate for production from undeveloped gas prospects. Still, there are many other unknowns at play, and the question remains whether companies like Hillcorp will decide if it's worth investing more in the inlet when costs of production for its declining wells are so high. Since Hillcorp's announcement last year, utilities have been meeting to talk about possible solutions that could last them beyond their current contracts. One strategy has been to decrease their reliance on natural gas and introduce more renewable energy projects into their portfolios. But it seems unlikely those projects, many of them in very early stages, could make a dent in local energy demand by 2027. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. A former Alaska budget director who is known for her budget-slashing policies is joining the staff of Nikiski Republican Representative Ben Carpenter this session. Donna Ardwin worked in Governor Mike Dunleavy's office between 2018 and 2019 and was the architect behind his plan to cut over $1 billion in state spending to close the state's budget deficit. Carpenter says she's in Juneau now and working as his full-time policy advisor. And she is going to help me look at long-term fiscal policy planning from a fiscal conservative point of view. 
In her nearly 10 months in Juneau, Ardwin worked with Dunleavy to propose a budget that would have drastically cut spending to the public school system, Medicaid, and the ferry system, among other state-sponsored programs. Before her stint in Alaska, Ardwin directed budget teams in several states, including California and Michigan. Carpenter says he and Ardwin are not focusing on the budget, but rather longer-term policy issues that he says often get lost in the annual budget cycle. I mean, we'll have our say with the budget, right? It's still a focus and it's still a priority and important to me. But we're not going to get systemic change, uh, what, what we might call institutional change. We're not going to get that in an annual budget document. Carpenter chairs the House Ways and Means Committee, which makes decisions about taxation and other state spending policies. He says he wants to work with Ardwin to have conversations about the long-term fiscal health of the state, including questions of the permanent fund dividend and Alaska's revenue shortfall. He says now that he's in the majority and has more years of experience under his belt, he's in the right spot to do so, and that Ardwin will help him get there. She brings the experience that I lack in some of the specifics of fiscal policy. I have a general idea of what it is that I want to accomplish. She has experience under multiple governors and, and different legislators over the last couple of decades to bring mm-hmm. examples and, and things that might work to the table, and then we, and we discuss it and, and bring about a policy recommendation. Ardwin is making $45.17 per hour, near the top of the legislative pay scale, according to Carpenter. He says this week, the House Ways and Means Committee is going to pick up the work of a fiscal policy working group formed during the last legislative session. The bipartisan group put out an ambitious set of recommendations, including a proposed PFD formula, but none of them were picked up by the broader legislature before the session ended. Carpenter says he'll be making more staff announcements soon. The U.S. Transportation Department announced last week that it's approved grants totaling $285 million to upgrade and modernize Alaska's ferry system. The money comes mostly from programs Senator Lisa Murkowski added to last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill. But the award to Alaska is larger than even she expected. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy and as i mentioned let's not let's not mess this up right the concern about messing it up is because the federal money will require the state to put up matching funds totaling more than 100 million dollars and then support the new ferries and facilities with operating and maintenance funds the state transportation department applied for the grants and asserted that it is committed to providing the match but governor mike dunleavy did not show the ferry system much love in his first term Murkowski says she's spoken to the governor and to state Senate finance co-chair Bert Stedman about the need to spend state dollars to get the federal grants. It's going to take some money, but it's worth the investment. Alaska was awarded about 75% of the federal money available for ferries this year. It's the first of five funding years in the infrastructure bill. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says that reflects the need in coastal areas of Alaska that aren't connected by roads. For so many communities, including the 35 communities along the Alaska Marine Highway, where everything is spaced further apart, where transportation is very expensive, waterways are critical. 
The money was awarded in six grants. One would replace the aging Tustamina with a diesel-electric hybrid. Another would modernize the Columbia, Kennecott, Matanuska, and Taslina ferries. The grants would also upgrade docks in Juneau and Prince William Sound. Late Thursday, the governor's deputy press secretary said by email that Dunleavy's office will evaluate all options for the state match. Money already appropriated could be used for some of the match, she said. And lastly, the Homer Chamber of Commerce is hosting a candidate forum tomorrow night at 5.30 for Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor. Kenai Peninsula Borough voters will decide in a special election next month who they'd like to fill the borough's top seat through the next regular election in October. Four candidates have filed to fill the mayor's seat, Dave Carey, Linda Farnsworth-Hutchings, Zachary Hamilton, and Peter Machicki. All four candidates have confirmed their attendance. You can attend the forum in person at the Kachemak Bay campus via Zoom or tune in here on KBBI and K201AO to listen live at 5.30. And don't forget to vote in the special election February 14th. And that's the news from Homer. I'm Hope McKenney, and you're listening to KBBI AM 890 and K201AO 88.1 FM in Seward. Find us online at kbbi.org. Thanks for tuning in.